High Praise Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Garrett, Youth Pastor at High Praise Panama City. I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. No matter if you just missed a service or if you happen to stumble across our show, we believe and we pray that God is going to bless you through today's episode. So open up your hearts, receive what God has in store for you. All right, y'all ready? Let's wrap this series up. Uh, So two weeks ago, we talked about being real with who? God. God. Last week was being real with ourself. This week is being real with others. Others, others, others. Um, So tonight, this topic is pretty simple. It's about being real with other people. and so this will be the last week of our series. Next week um, will actually be combined over there. Uh, this mix will still be going on, but Pastor Micah from Crestview will be here next week because the entire staff will not be here next week because we're going on a staff retreat. So I love you, but all your leaders will be here and they'll take great care of you guys and can answer all of your questions and keep you from doing bad things. Um, and then the week after, um, the week after that, we're going to do a Q&A. So in two weeks, we're going to do a Q&A. Um, it's always a fun time. Um, super fun. So I uh, got some cool stuff coming up in the month of October. All right. So I want to talk about being real with other people. Uh, this one has honestly kind of been like the, the message in this series I think I have looked forward to the most. Uh, some of you have heard a little bit about my story as far as how I came to know the Lord. Uh, some of you have not. And some of you just weren't listening when I said it. Um, so I'm going to use, I don't like talking about myself when I preach, but tonight I'm going to just a little bit because it's the best way I know how to like communicate this and how it can be effective in your own life. Um, so when I was in high school, story time, when I was in high school back in, when did we start high school, Becca? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no one answer. I graduated in 2012, so let's just say 2009 I started high school. Um, I was a freshman in 2009. So started high school. Y'all are ruining the story. Um, and by the time I was a sophomore, I had like started, there was this really big church um, in my hometown. It was the youth group was like hundreds and like probably like five, six times as big as this one. And this one's big. Um, but they always did like crazy big events. They did big conferences. They did like football tournaments and would have like, you know, college players come out. And so like I started like going just like and then in the process of me like attending a couple of like fun things, um, these really annoying youth leaders uh, would get my phone number and they'd invite me to small group and they would like come to my football games and like cheer and want to talk to me after the game. And I would have zero interest in talking to them whatsoever. Uh, would just kind of thought it was annoying. Uh, you know, it was nice, you know, of course, to their face as most of you are. Um, but really just was kind of just doing my diligence and like not being a complete jerk to these people. Um, and so that went on for uh, probably almost two years um, of these guys uh, named his name, their names were Jason Crosby and Dave Roberts and like just for like two years would just always you want to go to camp you want to come to conference we're having this night you want to do this we're getting together and doing this you know your small groups getting together and I would just never come and I would most of the time just not respond um, and then when I was 17 so it had been 2011 a long time ago 12 years ago <laughs> um in 2017, um, 
I was an avid, avid uh, partier, drinker, just bad person, did all the wrong stuff, um, crashed a car, my car, 2001 Pontiac Grand Am, all blacked out, black leather seats, beautiful car. <sighs> Ended up selling it to a youth student, actually. Um, and then it, like, died the next week, so it was really sad. Um, but anyway, besides the point, where was I at? Anyway, crashed the car. I'm giving a very expedited piece of this story. Um, crashed the car into a ditch, um, in Arkansas, and nobody, and I mean nobody, would come help me get out of the ditch. Um, called friends, called um, just everyone that I knew to call, girlfriends, ex-girlfriends even. Um, no one was coming to help, like, whatsoever. Because it was like 2 in the morning. And <clears throat> just so happened that night was a football game. I had talked to uh, this guy named Dave Roberts and Jason Crosby, and they were just like, man, you blah, blah, blah. You know, we want to see you come around. You know, we're here if you need anything. And so, 2 a.m., Garrett's in the ditch. Garrett's a little intoxicated. Garrett's not all there. And no one else is picking up the phone. Garrett will not call Dad at all. That's not happening. So I call, um, I call Jason. Jason didn't answer. There's a big boo-boo on his part. And I still get on to him for that to this day. Jason didn't answer because he was at Applebee's um, being... On, yeah, being a punk. And, but I called Dave, who was, like, who was married, had like, just had like a newborn baby. And Dave picks up the phone. He's like, dude, are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm not. Blah, blah, blah. Long story short, I go back. He comes, gets the car out of the ditch. I go sleep on his couch that next morning. He shares the gospel with me, basically, in just a really non-confrontational way. Um, and that was pretty much the start of my like, salvation journey. Now, this is where this makes tonight applicable. From that moment, the only, I don't say the only, one of the biggest reasons, like top two biggest reasons, uh, that I have remained a Christian for 12 years, that I have remained in ministry for 12 years, or basically 12 years, um, and that I have not gone absolutely insane, is that I have always, always, always had people in my life that I could lay everything out on the table. And I mean Everything. I'm not talking about like the vague, yeah, I'm struggling a little bit right now, like I'm, I'm, I'm getting through it, you know. I'm not talking about like that kind of stuff. I'm talking about like the nasty, raw, real, disgusting, shameful truth of what's going on in my life. And it started not because I just was naturally like this. It started because I had genuinely, I had youth leaders. Uh, now, as my time went on, my relationship with Jason uh, was more strong than Dave. Dave was more like the father figure. He was older. Um, just kind of more played like the, hey, like what the crap you doing? And Jason was more of like a, a friend, but also held me accountable to stuff. And me and Jason um, developed a relationship that I genuinely have just never had a relationship like that, uh, a friendship like that in my entire life. Jason actually went on, I was the best man at our wedding, still talk to him this day, um, knows my kids. We went to Universal one time after Jackson was born and left Becca um, with Jackson. It was really fun. Um, but I have still to this day have a great relationship with Jason. Um, but anyway, I promise I'm going somewhere with all this. My relationship with Jason got me through so much, not because we were good friends, not because like we could hang out or at that time play like Call of Duty, World War, you know, or stuff like that, but because he knew me. And I didn't have to worry about being fake. I didn't have to worry about being, and I kind of hit on some of this last week about like, you know, being, I, I was able to be real with myself and so I was able to be real with others. So if you were not here last week or not heard last week's message, if you can't be real with yourself, you're not 
you're going to be real with other people. If you can't be real with God, you're not going to be real with yourself. So hopefully you've been tracking along with us uh, throughout the series because each one, you know, matters. And so here we are talking about what it means to actually be real with people. So if you could, if, if hopefully you've taken this step and you're honest with yourself about who you are, the struggles you have, your past, your future, all this stuff, then you can genuinely be real with other people. And when I, when I got saved, um, I, was not a, I was not a church kid, um, did not really know, didn't know scripture, didn't know the songs. Uh, to this day, uh, I've, been, I've been in, back in, like to this day, I sit at tables with people who are like, man, back in like the 90s, y'all remember Kids Church, y'all remember this, you remember this song, and Gospel Bill, and uh, the Veggie People, and all this stuff, and I have no clue what anyone is talking about. If I had a dollar for every time someone in this church has asked me if I knew who Gospel Bill was, I could retire. I don't know who Gospel Bill is. Quit asking. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I have no, I don't have, I did not have this rich past in church. I wasn't raised in the pulpit and blah, blah, blah. Like I came in and it was just, I knew nothing. I didn't know the norms. I didn't know the culture. I didn't know diddly squat. But all I did know is that how it started was that night at Dave Roberts' house, I just completely laid my life like out there, who I was, where I came from, what I was dealing with. And not again, not because I was like, I'm brave enough to do this. It was just genuinely something the Holy Spirit orchestrated. But from that moment, I built a foundation of just being, being able to be honest with other people. And through that, so literally through the past 12 years of my, of my faith, had that not existed, I literally would not be standing here. I mean, I'm not exaggerating, guys. I'm not saying this to make a point in a sermon. I'm not saying this to, like, get you to do something at an altar call. I am quite literally, this is the simplest thing, but it's probably the most true thing you will hear me say. If you cannot bear your burdens with one another, and you cannot be honest with other people, you will quit. You will at one point implode. You're going to give up. You're going to find somewhere else, something else. You will not stay on this short, you will not stay, stay on the narrow path. And I don't say that like, you scare you. I'm just telling you, like, I know. Like, I, I know for myself, I know for other people. If this thing comes out of my ear one more time, being real with y'all right now, this thing's frustrating me to no end because I didn't clip it right. Um, so I need you all to do me a favor right here in this service. I'm going to do something I've never done before. Y'all nervous? I've literally never done this. And I'm never going to do it again. But you came tonight, and so you're a part of it. I'm just kidding. Um, so I would like... I want to do something um, for Jason and for Dave. It, this means nothing to you, but this means everything to me because um, the fact that I'm in ministry, the fact that I, I still have faith in Jesus, um, that exists because of other people in my life. I'm not, I'm not here as anything because I'm so strong, so faithful, so smart, so wise, read so much Bible and pray so much that I've made it through. I have been drug kicking and screaming at some points to this place. Um, and I owe it all to people that you will probably never, ever, ever meet until the other side of eternity. But you're going to do me a favor. 
So uh, Jason and Dave um, are in service right now, so they can't FaceTime, okay? Uh, they're still, they both still serve the Lord in ministry. But what I want to do is I just want to send them a quick video. Can you help me with this? Okay? All right. So um, hold on. I'm going to zoom out. I know what I'm doing. I got to go on this darn stage. And then I'm going to start on this end, and I'm just going to go this way. And I just want you to yell as loud as you can, thank you. Let's see. Just, no, 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 no. Um, right. Right. Just yell, hmm. Yeah, just say thank you for being real. I'm starting on this side, okay? All right, ready? They don't know who you are, so don't get all nervous and weird. Yeah, just say it at once, and I'll go quickly. Understand? All right, ready? Three, two. Perfect. I appreciate that, and I know they will. Um, So that has nothing really to do with, like, the whole message. But I do, guys, hear me. I'm going to break this thing. Please understand what the point I'm trying to make to you. You will not make it through this without, without other people. You genuinely will not make it through this without other people. Um, I've been talking long enough, haven't got to Luke yet. Go to Luke 18, 9 through 14. Go to Luke 18, 9 through 14. I'm about to go through the next part of this sermon. A quick, okay? <laughs> so get ready. I'm about to talk a lot. So I, I want to show you a couple things in Scripture that really illuminate this problem uh, that we can have. And one problem I genuinely think that your generation has is you so badly want to be known by other people. And we talked about this a little bit last week. But you so badly want to be known by other people, but you don't know who you really are. And so we're hoping that people could figure out who we are for us, yeah. right? Or we try to be so many different versions of ourselves, just trying to figure out which one finally sticks, and we're just kind of falling in this cycle of like, I'm going to try this, I'm going to try this, I'll be this person, I'll do this club, I'll play this sport, I'll hang out with these people, I'll go to this church, I'll do whatever. And we're just hoping that eventually something clicks and it's like, oh, okay, this is who I can be long term. Um, but anyway, let's read Luke. Let's read Luke. Um, Luke 18, 9 through 14. This one's not on the computer, Kyla, so you don't have to worry. It says this. He says, He also told the parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with content. Two men went up in the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now, remember in the day, Pharisees are the super righteous, super godly people. Tax collectors, bad thieves, no one likes. Okay? One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed this to God. God, I thank you that I am not like other men extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, then remember this is Jesus talking, he says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. 
Okay, so listen to what Jesus says. He says, I tell you, this man, talking about the tax collector, went back to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. If you are not willing to humble yourself, you will not be able to be real with God, yourself, or other people. Humility is such a major key in this whole topic that we've been talking about for the past few weeks. See, notice when the Pharisee, Jesus gives us this parable, uh, the Pharisee, whenever he prays, the Pharisee compares himself to who? The tax collector. He, he compares himself to other men, right? The, whereas the tax collector understood Jesus, you know, it's very simple. I'm a sinner. I've fallen short of you. Whereas the tax collector looked at the men and said, thank you, God, that I'm not like them. So you understand that the issue here that offends Jesus the issue that offends Jesus is that the tax collector, sorry, the Pharisee was comparing himself, was comparing his righteousness, his holiness to that of other people. And that, that allowed for him to be puffed up. That allowed for him to live as like, I'm doing things great. I pay, you know, he even says to God, I pay my tithes. I do this. I fast twice a week. Give me a break. <laughs> you know, he's saying all these things. He's like, says, look, God, compared to other people, you must be very pleased with me. Right? Now hear me, I don't, I'm not accusing, nor do I think anyone in this room prays that way, and if you do, please stop. But I don't read you that message, because I'm like, God, y'all got to quit praying that way. I, I want, you got to grab a hold of this, because we, we can live this way. Most of us, we base upon how well we're doing with the Lord, our righteousness and our holiness, not upon looking at Jesus and comparing ourselves to him, but upon comparing himself to everyone else. And even though we might not pray like it, we think like it. Right? We might not come before God and say, well, Lord, you must be really pleased with me because every other kid in my youth group is bad. You must be really pleased with me because I know them other youth group kids and them other churches and the other denominations, they're wrong. So you must be happy. With, can I just say something to you real quick? His pleasure with you is not based upon the performance of other people. Wow. Ever. Ever. So even like how, how we operate as a youth group is not being compared to other youth groups. God's not looking. He's like, well, I've got some anger, but I'm not going to give it to them because this other one's doing way worse. Everything about us is always compared back to Jesus. Everything, who you are, your character, your mind, everything about you is compared back to Jesus. This is why we always come forth and say, Lord, forgive me for I have sinned. Not, Lord, thank you. I'm not like the rest. You don't have to, you ain't got to deal with that. I don't have problems like the rest of them. See, it's always compared to Jesus. And when we're compared to perfection, we fall short. Right? You understand? You understand you're not perfect? This news to y'all? Or we like the people who are like, I don't know, I'm not perfect, so I'm going to try to be perfect, so I'm content with my sin. You understand what I'm saying? Most of us fall in either one of two ways. Okay? It's the, it's, the, it's the crowd that would say, well, I know I'm never going to achieve perfection, so I'm not going to try to be perfect, so therefore I can be content with my shortcomings as long as they're not as bad as everybody else. You get what I'm saying? It's like if I gave you a test that you, no one could pass, and you were just content with getting a 99 because you knew everyone else was getting a 90 or an 80 or a 70. But never, you understand what I'm saying? We, we, don't, we, don't, we don't achieve to become Jesus, because we're content with being the top of the class. 
You get you understand what I'm trying to what I'm trying to say to you guys. And for most of you, you you will you have not grown spiritually in quite some time simply because you're content with not being as bad as everybody else. And if your eyes are on everybody else and not on Jesus, then you're going to be content with that. You'll be content with your prayer life, your worship life, your church, your righteousness, your character, who you are when no one's looking. As long as you know what your friends are doing, you're like, I'm going to stay a step ahead of everyone else, then I'm good. And we don't look at Jesus, the pioneer perfecter of our faith, and say, that's who I'm trying to become. That's how I want to act. That's how I want to talk. That's how I want to minister. But if we're just looking out amongst the crowd and be like, okay, I'm probably one of the best in here, and that's good enough. We cannot live this way. And so what happened, that, that's pride. Okay, whenever, whenever your righteousness, your holiness is being compared to other people, that is your pride saying, I'm good. Again, I'm not saying we pray like this, but it's very that you're not perfect and that you're never going to talk to a perfect human being on this planet. It should really allow for you guys, see you, Maddie. It should really allow for you guys to be able to be real with other people. Because most of the time we struggle or we're vague in our conversations with people because we're afraid what they're going to think. We're afraid of the consequences. We're afraid to admit it. We don't want people to think differently about ourselves and all this other stuff. But yet when we pray and we pray to, to Jesus, who, again, pioneer and perfect of our faith, perfect, spotless lamb, died for our sins, we can be as real and honest with him. But when we talk to other fallen people, we're like, no, I'm fine. Who are we trying to impress? If you can be real with God, but you cannot be real with other people, whose opinion do you really care about? And so I don't, it doesn't make sense for us as Christians to be able to, like, I'm real honest with God. You know, because we talked about this two weeks ago. I'm real honest with God about my emotions, my fears, my shortcomings. He sees everything, blah, blah, blah. But when we talk to other fallen people and other people who can help us, we're like, no, I'm good. I'm fine. God knows. It really should illuminate to you who exactly you care about the most. Because how can we accept, well, Jesus knows, but I'm too afraid for you to know? This, this, these two cannot coexist because it shows something in our hearts that maybe not everything is in alignment with what God's wanting to do in us. So this parable, I love how Jesus ends it. He says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Again, exalting yourself, the only way you could ever exalt yourself is by comparing yourself to other people. You can never look at Jesus and exalt yourself. Yeah. Looking at other people, you can do that plenty. You can always find someone who's doing worse than you. You can always find someone who doesn't know as much as you. Anyway, I digress. Um, and I'll give you guys some credit. Most of you are pretty good at being honest, being real with other people. It's not always the honesty, and I'm sure some of you probably already thought this to yourself. Like, I don't struggle with this, Pastor Greg. I'm very, I'm an open book. I'll tell you anything. Well, then let's take this a step further. Maybe it's not the honesty part or the being real part that you struggle with. Maybe it's the accountability part that you struggle with. And I'm going to be very honest. This is top two hardest thing about being in ministry is holding people accountable. Because most of the time what happens is, as to say, Darius comes to me and says, hey, Pastor God, I need accountability in my life. Um, I uh, can't stop speeding while I'm driving, yeah. which is a sin, yeah. you know, because yeah. yeah. you obey the law of the land, so therefore posted speed limits. 
violating those things are sinful. So we should all drive the speed limit. This has nothing to do with Darius. Anyway, Darius comes to me. Listen, Darius comes to me and says, Pastor Garrett, I need accountability in this area of my life. I don't want to be doing this thing anymore. And I know it's wrong that I'm doing this thing. Okay, Darius, I'm going to hold you accountable to that. So therefore, if I come and ask Darius or I check up on Darius, and he, can, he has two options. He can, one, either be real with me and tell me the truth, or he can lie, which is where most of us just, most of us probably fall in that anyway, or we're vague enough to not tell the truth but not lie, but maybe leave a little room for, like, confusion. Like, uh, maybe. And so what happens is, okay, well, Darius, what, what does accountability then look like for Darius? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I want everyone's life 360 by the end of tonight. I'm just kidding. I do not want that in my life. I do not want that. But what happens, especially in your generation, what's happening, and I see it a lot, and I see it a lot, is that whenever spiritual leaders or people try to hold people accountable to what who they say they want to be, people are like, well, that's, a, that's, that's too much. That's controlling. That's abusive. That's not what I asked for. And then we get called crazy. We get called controlling. We get called a cult. We get called all these other things. But 99% of the time, people come to us and say, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. Please help me. Okay, here are the steps we can do to help you. And then halfway through, whenever they don't want to do it anymore, it's like, that place is a cult. They try to control me. Man, if I could write, we could talk the rest of the night about that one issue right there. Accountability cannot be rejected if you are to, if you're generally wanting to change who you are. I want to show you, I'm going to give you a quick, kind of quick, a, a biblical example of what accountability looks like. And again, this is not uh, on the computer because it's kind of long. This is in 2 Samuel 12, verses 1 through 9. So this is, King David has just... Um, pretty much just committed his sin uh, with Bathsheba, Uriah, the Hittite is dead, and Nathan comes to confront um, David. It says, and the Lord sent Nathan, I always want to say Nathaniel, Nathan to David. He came to him and said to him, there were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks of herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb, which he had bought. And he brought it up and grew it up with him and with his children. It used to eat of his morsel and drink from his cup and lie in his arms, and it was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man who was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guests who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then, watch this, everyone paying attention? God's watching. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die, and he shall restore the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing, because he had no pity. Listen, Nathan says to David, You are this man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. And I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if this were too little, I would add, <clears throat> I would add to you as much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites." Accountability is not comfortable, ever. Accountability is always meant to help someone aid in repentance. So hear me, 
I understand that there are spiritual abuse and cults and control and crazy spiritual people are very real. I'm not saying that does not exist. How you can always tell if godly accountability is godly is if it is helping you steer towards, what's the word I just said? Uh, Repentance. Right? Understand, I'm, I'm we got to use two words that young Christians hate, and it's confession and it's repentance. These are two things that we're like, whoa, that's weird, that's crazy, that sounds, that sounds too religious for me, man. I just want to love God. But these are two things that always have to be present in your life. So someone comes to me and says, I need accountability in this area. Okay, that's great. So asking for accountability, when you ask me for accountability, it's not just I'm going to check up on you. It means there are consequences when you fail to meet the standard of which you've asked me to hold you to. Right? That I understood? So uh, this is what accountability is not. Accountability is not saying, hey, you know, Patrick, please hold me accountable. I'm dealing with porn. Man, I need someone to hold me accountable. All right, Patrick asks you what's going on. Say, yeah, I messed up. Accountability is not someone just there to help you feel better because you've messed up. And accountability has turned into this thing where all we... All we see accountability as is the person who's there to comfort you whenever you feel bad about yourself. That's not what accountability is. Godly accountability is someone who say, okay, you've done what you said you don't want to do. How then am I, are we going to help you steer towards repentance? Okay? That is godly accountability. Someone says, I need help in this area. Okay, well, what are we going to do to fix this problem? Because just telling me and me patting you on the back and saying you can do better and we're going to do better and everything's okay, that's not accountability. That's confession. But confession without action is not repentance. And if we are Christians who do not repent, then we are Christians who are content in our sin. And therefore, we start to disqualify ourselves. We really, I don't know if we can call ourselves Christians. We're just people who, we love the Christian culture, but we don't love the God of, 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 of Christianity. You understand what I'm saying? Your generation is at such a pivotal point right now because... There are so many young people who I think are in love with Christian culture. We love Christian culture. We love the church culture. We love the vibes. We love the emotions. We love the people. We love even some of the teachings of Jesus. We love the conferences. We love the merch. We love the youth groups and we love the organization. We love the social aspects of it. But if we omit Jesus, then we are people who are just sub- subject to a Christian culture and we are, therefore we are not Christians. And there are a lot of people who I think are very confused right now simply because they are obsessed and they love the Christian culture and they can perform within a Christian culture very well. But if Jesus is not at the center of it, then you are just wrapped up in a culture. And if Jesus is at the center of it, then that means I can hold you accountable to who Jesus is. And I care about you being able to repent from your sin and not just say, whoopsie. Repentance. So repentance is a military term. That means to turn the other way. So for me to be walking this way, for me to repent, it's literally a military term. Repent means for me to turn and go this way. That is what repentance means. It's not anything really religious. It's literally a military term. (coughs) That one hurt. What was I saying? And so, hear me. I had my thought. And I lost it. Repentance. So that means as Christians, just like what Nathan did to David, 
because there are two sides to this whole be real with others thing. Some of you need to be real with people and confess and be aided in your, in your route of repentance. And some of you need to go and actually be like, hey, you claim to be this, but you're not living it this way. And there's a godly way to do that. I'm not, please do not leave here tonight and be like, Alex, you're fake. That's not what I'm asking you to do. I can say that to Alex because I think Alex is genuine. But understand me, guys, your life should be aided by people. When I say you need other people, it's because you need other people to help you in this way of repentance. You don't need other people to pat you along the back and say, it's going to be okay. You're fine. God knows your heart. Just get up and keep going. Encouragement's great, but I want people in the... And this is who Jason Crosby was for me. For years, this is who, this is mine, for the past 12 years, this is who Jason Crosby has been. And I have not lived in the same state as him for eight years. For eight years, I mean, we haven't even been near each other. And he still holds me accountable to some stuff. He will still, I mean, this time last year, it was such a God thing. This time last year was one of the hardest times in my life. And I was by myself and my phone rang. I hadn't talked to Jason in months. <clears throat> And a phone rings, I'm in my living room, and I answer it, and immediately know what's happening. And he's like, hey, man, I talked to you for, you know, in a while. You know, I know we both got busy. Come to find out he was going through some crazy stuff in his church, and um, one of my youth pastors um, had just been fired because of moral failure, and he was calling to talk to me about this, and... Uh, was calling just to talk about his frustrations, and he was, it was his, it was like his spiritual mentor, like just failed miserably, um, and was just let go and dealing with all his drama. He's on staff at this church, huge church, and he's just talking and talking and talking, and I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> and he's like, but he's like, I could tell, he's like, tell me what's going on. And as much as I wanted to just be like, oh, nothing, just, you know, just, let's just talk about you, you got stuff going on, I could not resist bearing my soul with this man. And in that, in that conversation, completely changed my life. Twelve years after I'd been saved, been in ministry, been a pastor. There's not going to come a point where you're going to graduate and be like, all I need to do is pour into people now. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. And I would never subject myself to someone's leadership who I knew wasn't being poured into. Anybody who ever wants to be a spiritual authority in your life, but you know is not accountable to someone else, you say, no, thank you. Then we'll start talking about if they're a cult and controlling and all that, you know, crazy stuff that we, we talk about. You should be subject to people who are, con who are we're all held accountable to, ultimately, to Jesus. This is my encouragement for you tonight. I want you to be real with other people simply because I want you to become more like Christ. And I want you to run this race longer than your graduation date. The reason why we do small groups and we've got a youth leadership team, it's not because I read about it in some book or I went to ministry school and I did go to ministry school, but they didn't teach us anything about that. I've lived this. I've experienced this firsthand. The reason this youth ministry is organized the way it is is because I know it works because it, it worked for me. I didn't listen to a podcast and, and be like, oh, this is a good idea. This is, the, this is the natural ebb and flow of how ministry and how the church is meant to exist. You need other people who are going to aid you because here's what's going to happen is you will struggle with something. Probably every person in this room has got stuff you've struggled with for longer than a week or a month. And you will struggle with it, struggle with it, struggle with it, and struggle with it. And maybe along the way we will confess it to somebody. I'm like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. 
but there's not a turning, there's just a stalling while we say it. And before we even start the real journey of going the other way, we just start going this way. And we think in our confession, we have, we have changed and been forgiven and the chains are broken in our confession. The chains are broken whenever you go this way. Right. Whenever you start walking the, the opposite direction of it. But hear me, walking the opposite direction of the sin you are struggling with hurts. It's uncomfortable. And it's going to take other people who are going to have to maybe get you going in the first few steps. It is not meant for you to just be like, hey, I'm dealing with this. Please pray for me. All right, bye. It's not going to work that way for you guys. It's not going to work that way for you at all. When I was dealing with getting off drugs and alcohol, I would literally call Jason and Dave all the time annoyingly called them. So I'll give you permission to call your youth leaders all the time. And if y'all are annoyed by that, then go serve in kids' church. <clears throat> it is okay to need other people. It is okay to not have stuff figured out. It is okay to be broken. I just don't want you to stay there. I just don't want you to sit in it. I don't want you to just accept that that is who you are. And so I understand acknowledging it, admitting it, coming to terms with it, owning it, important. That is just not the final step. But this is where so many of us stay. Like, well, I've told this leader before that I deal with this, and it ain't their fault because your problems aren't fixed either. Let's clarify that. You, tell, you, can, you confessing to somebody does not change your life. It's the first step. It's the first step, and that confession matters. So please understand, I'm not saying it's bad. But we cannot expect to confess, tell somebody, but then not change the way we live. We can't say, I'm really struggling with porn, blah, blah, blah. Please pray for me. All right, I've received that prayer, and I've confessed my sins. But you haven't changed your phone, haven't changed your sleeping habits, haven't changed when you're alone, haven't changed anything about what you're struggling with. And be like... Well, God's just not, God's not fixing my problems. <laughs> that, guys, that isn't, we can't do that. Well, I really struggle with, do, you know, being physical with my girlfriend. Okay, well, have you eliminated the opportunity to do that? No. You understand what I'm saying? If, I'm not God, but it, if I were God, I would just have this giant duh button for when people prayed. My God, I can't stop doing this. Duh. And obviously, I'm way, way more rude than Jesus is. He would never do that to you. But so many times we pray to God, and we're like, God, please help me stop doing these things. And I genuinely, because I know God has spoken this to me in my life, most of the time, he would respond to you and say, stop putting yourself in position to do the things you don't want to do. It's so simple. It's so simple, but we cannot say, oh, I don't want to change the way I live. I just want God to do it for me. I just want God to take the desire away. I just want God to take the temptation away. I just want God to, I just want to be changed so much that I never even want those things. Humble yourself. Humble yourself and realize you are a sinner in need of a Savior. Humble yourself and realize you need people more than you want to admit you need people. You need people beyond admitting it here. You need people when you're in your house and your parents have left. You need people whenever you've parked your car with your boyfriend or girlfriend. You need people whenever you are lonely and anxious and tired and depressed. You need people. I mean, you need people. You need Jesus. But man, do you need people. 
I can, I mean, I could talk about this for hours upon hours upon hours upon hours because nothing has quite changed my life than having people in my life that I could just honestly be real with. doesn't matter if I've got the title of pastor or dad or husband. They're going to get it. I mean, even, even, I'm being very informal tonight, but whatever. I mean, even my, my brother-in-law, Jarrett, most of y'all probably know Jarrett. Last Thursday, went to Buffalo Wild Wings with Jarrett and for like two hours sat at a table and both of us just asked each other hard questions. And we do not accept wimpy answers. We have things called dead man time where he's allowed to speak into my life and say, this is what I see and I think this is where you're, you're wrong. And I'm telling you, these are the principles and the practices that will determine how long you last in this faith. It's not your ability always to worship or be at an altar or, or attend church. These are the practices that are hard. They are tough. They are uncomfortable. But these, these are the things why you look at people who have run the race for a long time. It's not because they do church really well. It's because they know what godly accountability looks like. And I wouldn't. Jesus' heart for you. It's constantly, it's called sanctification. It's constantly to becoming like him. This is our goal, Christians. This is our mindsets. How, how can I have less of me? How can I become more like you? How can I be, how can I, how can I give more to you? Like we sing this, we sing all the, every song now is like, you can have it all. Somewhere in the song about you can have it all, God. And we sing that. Well, most of the time we're just talking about our emotions in that moment. Most of the time we're just talking about like, you can have it all, you have my whole soul, you have my whole spirit, but how I act here, here, and here, what I do with my time, and all this other stuff, we still are very much in control of. So my question to you tonight is very simple. How much do you actually want to change? Because right. that's really what we're talking about. None of this matters, and this sermon is completely pointless, and you can go right to bed when you get home if you do not want to change who you are. This message is simply and only for those that, are, that will humble themselves and say, I, 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 know, there's, I know there's more in me that, that's got to change. I, to this, I, I, and hear me, I'm not saying like, this is where you guys got to be to come up to where I'm at. This, this is to this day how I live. If you think I'm perfect, go ask Jarrett. Oh, he's not allowed to tell you, but I still have problems. Jarrett knows, Jason knows. But I have people that I'm subject to that can speak into my life and say, dude, this is not like Christ. I saw the way you talked to this person. It was not like Christ. I saw the way you responded to that. It was not like Christ. I have people in my life that do that. You need people in your life that can do that. And so I'm not preaching this as like, oh, like I'm preaching because this is how I live. This is how you've got to learn how to live this way. You want genuine change past just, because we're really good about cleaning up the surface. We're really good about cleaning up what's on top. We're really good about, you know, going through the motions, doing the right things. Instagram looks clean. B-Real looks clean. All these things look clean. We know how to act in church. But, man, if we start digging a little bit past the surface, what are we looking at? What are we looking at? Thank you for downloading today's message. 
Again, we hope that it encouraged you, blessed you, and edified you. If you are a high school, middle school, or even a uh, young adult in the Panama City area, we would love to have you come be a part of our services at High Praise Panama City. Our YTH services are every Wednesday at 7 o'clock. The mix, our pre-service time, starts at 5 o'clock. We would love to have you out. If not, find a way to connect with us on Instagram at hp.yth. We would love to connect with you in some way, and God bless.